That's good. All right. Thank you, Esther. Uh, I asked Esther to pray. Oh, is that my voice? No. <laughs> All right. But yeah, I asked Esther to, to pray for me because I do really need that prayer. And uh, this morning, Pastor Iwan asked us to pray one another during the corporate prayer. And I was so encouraged and I was so built up uh, by the prayer uh, uh, from my brother Erwin. I think prayer becoming, it's, well, not becoming, actually, it's always been an important point in our Christian life. I mean, prayer is supposed to be our culture, not only individually, but also corporately. Okay, so before I start uh, my sermon, uh, can I ask everyone who are part of the prayer ministry to stand up? I know Sheldon, David, Ken, can you, can you just stand up? No, I just want to give an appreciation to you all because, and I know not all of you, right? I mean, not only, only these this, uh, people, but I know everybody also uh, pray for the church. Uh, I know some of you have been faithfully coming to the night of breakthrough every Thursday. And this ministry is a behind-the-scene ministry, right? Not, people, not many people know about these people, but these people have been faithfully praying, not only for the church, for the leadership, for all of you, right? And they are not perfect like us. They are, we are not perfect, but they have been committed their, their life to pray for, for us. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you for your ministry, right? So uh, we, are, we are so honored uh, to have you in our ministry. And today, we continue to uh, do our series uh, this month. It's called, What Are You Hiding? And thank you, the worship leader, make the very good introduction that this is not about condemning everybody. What I'm going to preach today is not only preaching to you, but also preaching to me as a person, as a Christian. Okay? So, and we want to learn about this from the book of Acts, which is the early church. Okay? So we are, we are church, right? Guys, we are family of God here. Okay? So we are family of God. So we can just be whoever we are. Okay? And we want to learn from the church, the early church in the book of Acts. So the context is in the book of Acts. After the apostle received the Holy Spirit, okay, there's a great, great revival. Everybody saved, a lot of people being added to the church, okay, 2,000 people, uh, more and more and more. And then they are not only doing Sunday service like us once a week, guys. After they gather together in the temple, they go back to their home, and then they go from house to house to have more fellowship, uh, sharing life, uh, sharing bread, doing the life testimony, preaching the gospel, continue day by day, day by day, right? So that's very normal in the early church, okay? And then Peter and John got arrested because they preached the gospel, okay? Similar like, like now, there are a lot of missionaries who got arrested, prosecuted because they preached the gospel. So, so that early church situation is reflected here now, right, nowadays. Now, they got released, and then they, after they got arrested, they become even more boldly to preach the gospel. 
right? It's amazing. The power of the Holy Spirit basically stirred up their heart, and then they preached the gospel even more boldly. And then more people being added, 5,000 people being added to the church. And Acts chapter 4 said that all the believers, they were of one heart and one soul. Wow, can you imagine this? We have, what, 200 people, around 150, 200 people here, and then we are all in one heart and one soul. That's so wonderful when we have one heart and one soul. Say that, you know what, my property is not my own property, it's everybody. So there are many people, many believers at the time sold their properties, okay? It could be houses, it could be car, I don't know, probably there's no car, right? So <laughs> uh, houses and a anything, and then they brought all the proceeds to the feet of apostle, and they are distributed or divided among them. So there are no one is in need at the time, okay? So, but I want to make sure that when we are following Christ, there's no such a requirement that you need to sell your properties, right, <laughs> guys? Okay? This is just because our, their heart, they sell their property. Could be one of their property because technically not everybody sell the house, right? Remember that they, after the church, they go from house to house, meaning that some people still have a house. So there's no requirement to, to sell everything basically to follow Jesus, okay? But this is the picture, the early church. So let's start uh, reading Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. If you have a Bible, I do really want to encourage you to open uh, your Bible, whether on your phone apps or manual Bible. So Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostle's feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? It's very interesting because Peter asked Ananias about the guy named Satan. Last week, Pastor Ivan said, I think his name is Lucy, right? <laughs> Lucifer. I thought that Peter should ask Satan, right? Hey, Satan, why did you fill Ananias' heart? But Peter asked Ananias, how is that Satan has so filled your heart? So, first of all, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? So, again, there's no requirement to bring everything to the apostle feet because after you sold it, wasn't that money at your disposal? Meaning what? Meaning it's up to you. Do you want to bring it 100%? Do you want to bring it 50%? That, that's okay. It doesn't matter. There's no such a requirement for that one, right? But Peter knows his heart, right? What made you think of doing such thing? You have not lied just all human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. 
Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. So I have a different translation there, right? So, but this is the picture, right? So it's like regular Sunday service, right? The apostle faith, I mean, the apostle are preaching, sharing the gospel, gospel people sharing their life. They brought the offering and everything. And then there's a guy named Ananias came forward and then brought uh, some of their, uh, his offering probably, right? And then Peter judged him. Right? I mean, God judged him through Peter, said that, hey, you lie to the Holy Spirit. And then he died. I know it's not a good, <laughs> a good Sunday service <laughs> preaching, but, but let's continue to read, okay? About three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. So it's amazing, guys, right? Sunday service, after two hours probably, and then somebody died. The service continue <laughs> even after three hours and his wife came in not knowing what had happened Peter asked her tell me is this the peace or the price you and Ananias got for the land yes she said that's the price and Peter said to her how could you conspire or contrive to test the spirit of the Lord contrive means deliberately right intentionally listen the feet of the men who bury your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also at the moment she fell down at his feet and died then the young man came in and finding her dead carried her out and buried her beside her husband great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about this event and when you continue to read the surface is still going on guys and the grace of God came in and more people get added to the church. So what we can learn from this? And there's a theology, and I call it as a bad theology because they dismiss the notion about the holiness of God by saying that, you know what, Ananias and Sapphira, they are not believers, they are not Christians. They are unbelievers, so they deserve to die. I call it bad theology because why? Because clearly here, Ananias and Sapphira, they are Christian. And this message is for us, for Christian. Not only for you, for me. Especially for me. And it's very interesting. Do you guys know the meaning of Ananias? Everybody has a meaning, right? Name. Ananias means God is gracious. Yahweh is gracious. That's the meaning of Ananias. And this is the work of Satan. When Satan fills our heart, he can twist, he can blind our eyes so that we forget our identity. If Ananias knows his identity that his name called Yahweh is gracious, But his heart filled by Satan. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, like a, whether he compromised. I don't know. He, he didn't tell. But it's very interesting when 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 Peter asked Ananias, "Why?" It seemed like a, "Why you let Satan fill your heart?" 
Pastor, Pastor Irwan clearly mentioned, right? We have a freedom not only to say yes, but also to say no to the temptation of Satan. And I've been saying that God is gracious and He is holy. His grace is always holy. Okay? God cannot tolerate these kind of things. Because why? Because He loves His church. And then in the work of salvation history, God always, always cleans His church. Do you guys remember the first tabernacle uh, was erected and God assigned the brother of Moses, Aaron, to be the priest? And he has two sons, Nadab and Abihu. What did they do? They brought the offering. And then God said that the offering will be burned. God will send the fire to, to burn the offering, right? What did they do? They create a strange fire. And God judged them. That's the first tabernacle, the first church that God brought. Second story. You remember when Israel, Israel went into the promised land, led by Joshua. God said that you enter the promised land, do not take anything, okay? Just burn everything, destroy everything, all the idols, all the different things. There's a guy named Achan. He stole it, something, and kept it for, for himself. And God judged him. So God always worked in the beginning of the salvation work. God cannot tolerate this type of behavior in the church. Now, this is what we call, or the Bible calls, the sin of hypocrisy. And I just want to be honest that I used to be <laughs> a hypocrite person. Okay? I was a good Christian boy. Again, I always mention that I was probably better than Pastor Irwan, right? <laughs> In the past. But still, I have to admit that I was a hypocrite. And allow me to, to share a little bit about my, my, my life. I, I never done it uh, a lot here, right? But then I just want to uh, be open. So uh, this is going back to a long, long time ago when I had a, uh, my first love, right? So I was dating with a girl, okay? And, but then it wasn't a healthy relationship because my parents didn't approve it, okay? Now, during that time, during that season of life, I was falling in love with God. Okay? Every time I listen to the Christian music, the Christian song, I cry, and then I spend the, the, almost like the whole week always going to the church, guys, uh, almost every day. So I go to the church in the mall, I go to the church uh, uh, in a building, I go to, to the real church. So I spend like a, probably like a four or, or five times a week going to the church. Okay, so people think that I'm a, I don't like a, a, a 
Bible walks or something, right? So basically, uh, I go to church from church and church, right? Because I, I was falling in love with God. But at the same time, I kept on lying to my parents about my relationship. So I thought that I was more spiritual than them because I went to the church more than them, more than they do. But then I kept on lying to my parents until God reminded me, okay, I came to the United States by myself, okay, and then God spoke to me, really? Stop the hypocrisy. And I was blessed and I was glad that God loved me even more after that. Now, hypocrisy simply means wearing masks or playing actor, right? So you pretend to be more spiritual than others while you are not, technically. But And I I want to be very careful today, right, when I say hypocrisy. Hypocrisy does not mean that when we are living under the high standard, the ideal standard, that's called hypocrisy. Let's say, uh, God said that, you know what, hey, take this, this, the word of God, okay, the law of God, and meditate it day and night. That's what God wants us to do, correct? Now, let me ask you. Who read the Bible day and night? Anybody? No. So we are still far, far away from that standard, right? Now, that's, that's not hypocrisy because we know that we want to get to that level. That's our prayer too, okay? Hypocrisy is a deliberately you keep on sinning and you keep on pretending even well, while you are in the presence of the Lord, okay? Now, this is the, the dilemma in my life before. Yeah? The dilemma is what I do have a professed God, but functionality, I have a different God. So I can profess that Jesus is my King, that Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my God. He controls everything. I'm yours, right? Forever, forever, ever, and I'm yours. He owns everything in my life, but... In reality, when I have fear, I want to control everything. Sometimes my functionality God is not with a capital G, but small g and plural God could be my career, could be my ministry. And I have, I had that story as well <laughs> about ministry is my God, small g. It could be my money, it could be my worriness, it could be my relationship. So in my life, there was a competition between my professed God and my functional God at the time. And if we are not paying attention to this dilemma in our life, I'm just afraid that we are going down to that road of hypocrisy. Because then you pretend that God is your king, but technically it's not. But it's a good news today because we have a solution for that. 
And the solution is we need grace of God. Because only God's grace who can realign us, who can reorient us, who can make our professed God and functional God one and the same. Unless we admit that we are sinners, then we will receive God's grace and God will help us. So now the question is, if grace is the solution, then how did we get grace? How can we meet grace? I mean, not the personal name grace, okay? Grace, the grace of God. How did we receive that? How did we, where do we seek God's grace? Grace is not something that we can seek because grace is the one who finds us. We do not find grace. Grace finds us. Oh, if grace finds us, I thought that we are called to seek God then. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, have a quote, and this is very good. Religion is a man searching for God. Christianity is God seeking man. So if you are Christian, you have to know that it's not about you seeking God, but God seeking you, and God has found you. So, so we don't have to seek God. Let's read Romans 6, verse 9 to 12. This is what Paul wrote. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, no one is righteous, no, not one, including us. No one understands, including us. No one seeks for God, including us. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So, we cannot seek God, but God found us. So, let me read it, and I don't have uh, in, in a PowerPoint, but let me read it and remind you about the fall of man from Genesis chapter 3, okay? And you know all the story about this, this one, right? The fall of man, Genesis 3. And starting from verse 7, you know, after they ate the fruit from the tree of knowledge, They say that the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sew fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord, God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord, God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I hurt you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Man, Adam, I, I couldn't believe this guy named Adam. Literally, he broke the law by eating, by eating the fruit, right? 
But then the response is, I was afraid because I was naked. I thought that he was supposed to be saying, I was afraid because I violated your commandment. I was afraid because I ate that fruit. No, he said that I was afraid because I was naked. See, when we deal with a guy called Satan, lie after lie after lie after lie will be in our life, right? One lie will cover another lie, will cover another lie. And it's so confusing. And from this story, we could see that the moment we fell, God searched, God seek. So this is always from the beginning, guys, that God is, God is always seeking the fallen man because no one can seek God. From the beginning, it is God's initiative to search us, to search Adam and Eve. And this is even, even beautiful when we see that they opened their eyes, they saw that they are naked, and look at that. They sewed fig leaf together and made covering for themselves. So they were trying to cover their sins, to redeem their sin by their own works. But verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. It's always from the beginning that God seeks us and God starting the working of the salvation because God is the one who made the garment of the skin. God could say that Adam, Eve, just made the garment of the skin. But God took that responsibility. God made the garment of the skin for them and clothed them just like 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross. He bore all the responsibility and he clothed us with his righteousness. Praise God. I mean, God search us, not us search God. So, it's a good news, right, guys? It's a good news. Yeah. Now, what next then? Because after God found us, now, last week, we received that salvation, so we have a freedom, freedom to what? Freedom to even seek God more because we already found. So now, with a confidence, we can always go back to God, seek His presence, okay? Remember, God is not hiding, okay? God cannot hide. Why, why, why should He hide? No. God is there, okay? Now, with the confidence, with the uh, gift of salvation that we receive, now we can seek Him more and more. But without grace, no one seeks God. So we have to remember about that one. Now, now we are talking about our newness, newness of life, right? So we are born again. We are new creation in Jesus Christ. We, call, we are called Christians, okay? Uh, um, we are part of the church, the community of the believers. 
But I found out I have another dilemma here. I have a problem because a lot of Christian they are lost even when they are in church. If we are not careful with our relationship with God, we could be lost. We could be a lost Christian. And I don't want to see that happening in my life, in your life. Guys, you are my family. Okay? Please pray for one another. Even a simple prayer is a blessing for your brother and sister. You will not know. Probably they are, they are, they are, they are experiencing a great distress. Probably they were in the lowest valley in their life. Pray one another. Build them up. Okay. And what is a, a lost Christian? Sometimes we are Christian. We profess that God is our king, but our functional God is different. We are seeking God, but we don't want him. You know, you know what I'm saying? God, God I, I want your forgiveness. I want your blessing. I want your protection. I need uh, help. I need healing, right? But I don't really need you. I just need your blessing. I just need your benefit that coming from you. But I don't want you as a person, as who he is. And of course, the best story about that is the prodigal son. And the solution for that one is again, we need grace of God. The same grace, right? The grace who found us is the same grace that will bring us home. Amen. So grace will preserve us. Okay? And if I want to open the Luke chapter 15, you know the story about the prodigal son. Okay? And this is very interesting when I say it's a, a lost Christian. I think it's just like these two sons. Not only just the younger son is the lost one. I think both of, both of them are lost. The younger son lost because they are outside the house, right? But even the, young, the, the older son is lost within the house. And when Jesus say this parable, it's very interesting because Jesus started with this one. There was a man who had two sons. So the relationship is already there. I mean, the parable, again, the father and the son. Okay? There is relationship there. But the older son, typically, he doesn't want the father. This is verse 28. After, after the, the, young, the younger son came, came back, the older brother said, become angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Can you imagine? Just like Adam and Eve, after they hit God, 
search them. God seek them. His father went out and pleaded him, please go in, please go in. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. So he saw his father as a what? The boss? Not the father. And never disobey your orders. Oh, you just did it. <laughs> I never disobey you. Eh? Like five seconds ago, you refused to go in. Yet you never gave me gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitute comes home, you kill the fat and cow for him. And this is the father's answer. My son, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brothers of yours was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. When the younger brother was lost, he was still the son, but yet lost. But now is found. The grace who found us, the same grace who bring us home. So, today, I want to invite all of you to really consider those two questions. Who is our professed God? Who is our functional God? And I think that question needs to be asked to ourselves daily, right? It's like King David said, search me, O Lord, search my heart. I think we need to reflect, we need to check, we need to search our heart. Because it's important. We are not perfect, yes, we are not perfect. And God has sought us, He found us, and He doesn't want us to be lost. So I want to, I want to close with this, and again, uh, I'm not going to invite uh, everyone to, to come, but after the service, if you guys consider to, uh, to want, want to be prayed, or want to talk about these things, the, the Christianity, about Jesus, about the gospel, about uh, the sermon that I just shared, just come and, and meet us there. Pastor Irwan is available, me is available, the prayer team are available to pray for you too. Again, the, 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 the culture of prayer in this church needs to be cultivated and then I think, I think we need it. Yes. Okay. We need it with all our weaknesses. We are here is a one family. So the song that we just sang, where will I run? But to the throne of mercy. That's, that's, that's our goal, right? That's what we pray. One day, one of my uh, Christian friends told me that, you know what, this man, I'm not going to sing the song, uh, The Surrender All. You know, do you know the song? I surrender all. Because why? Because I become hypocrite when I sing that. Because technically, I cannot surrender all. And I was like, a, oh, wow. That's a, like a revelation to me, right? <laughs> oh, okay. So now 
I'm not going to sing that song because I have to be able to do that before I sing it. Okay? But then, when grace found me, it reminds me that, hey, you cannot do that without God's grace. Even this is my prayer. Of course, my prayer, guys, and I think this is your prayers too, right? That at some point later, that we can really, really do surrender everything, surrender all to God, right? That's our prayer. Where will I run but to the throne of mercy? Where will I kneel but at this cross of grace? How great the love, how strong the hand that holds us. Beautiful, so beautiful, just like the fathers who went out and cleaned like the God who made the garment of skin and clothed us. So here I bow to lift you high, Jesus. Be glorified in all things for all my life. I'm yours forever, yours. Yes, today I'm still not there yet, but that's my prayer. And I want to invite all of you. It's supposed to be your prayer too. That in all things, Jesus, be glorified. Can, can we stand and then can we sing the song one more time?